from Yarm to Yibbe, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red, the Toon, and the Cat. Morning. Oh, yeah, there he is. Good morning, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, what yeah. a fantastic morning it is too. The sun's shining, the birds are tweeting. It's just good to be alive, we're isn't in, it? We're not in Australia where Rai's got a sandbag in his front door, uh, stopping the water coming in. He has, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got another storm. unfortunate for our Rai, bless him. So, yeah, we're, we're going to do the show Ryless, which was uh, Ryless Wireless. I quite like the sound of that. Um, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> quieter today. It's, it's maybe a little bit classier. Uh, you, you can probably just move the radio that bit closer without being shouted at by the loud brash Aussie. <laughs> but we do sincerely hope he's going to be all right because it's uh, absolutely yeah. naff weather he's got over there, lads, isn't it? He's got uh, he's it got is. another one of those uh, massive Aussie storms uh, sweeping through. I don't know what he's done wrong, but the gods, the the wrath of the gods, are certainly focused on him at the moment. So uh, if you're somehow listening, right, keep safe, mate. Keep the family safe. Yeah, stay safe, stay safe. Plenty to talk about this morning. No, there isn't. No, there is. Sutherland, as predicted, as predicted, beat Leeds uh, 1-0. And and a a great performance from the the Mackhams, who've, um, mind the gap, is the same we've used on here quite a few times. That gap's getting bigger between them and Middlesbrough. Of course, tonight we'll look ahead to the uh, final game in the group stages of the Champions League. Man United crashed out last night. Can Newcastle United uh, stay in the competition or will they end up in the Europa League? We will uh, have a little chat about that over the course of the morning. Uh, Plenty of other stuff uh, to get through as well, which we uh, may tackle. Everton at risk of administration now uh, because 7-7 partners are told there's no chance of the takeover being approved soon. We all know how long it takes for a takeover to go through, (laughs) certainly on Tyneside. Maybe it's even the second uh, time. Exactly, and Jim Ratcliffe, uh, who is uh, also looking at taking over Manchester United, uh, well, news broke last night that the French club owned by Sir Jim did a major transfer deal with a club owned by a Russian railway, which is under strict UK sanctions for its role in the Ukraine. So is that potential takeover or investment in the club under threat now? Also, uh, another Premier League vote went through yesterday. Um, they seem to be uh, busy at the Premier League, don't they? Putting votes through. Um, and th- this was to say that uh, they are going to limit amortisation of new contracts to a maximum of five years. Mm. Deals can still be longer, but uh, amortisation can't. So we can discuss that. Who's that aimed at? Chelsea, perhaps? Um, Dean Smith. They voted for it. Yeah, but interesting. Interesting night. I mean, they're the ones who give out eight, nine, ten-year contracts. Strange yeah. situation. Um, in the Premier League, as I say, regularly meeting and, and putting new things in place. Why are they doing this? Um, Dean Smith is back in football, by the looks of it, but he's beaten Frank Lampard to a job as manager of Charlotte FC. I had to Google the club. I'd never heard of them. Uh, is Frank Lampard's managerial career over? And uh, David Moyes, former Sunderland manager, of course, and Manchester United manager, has had the dreaded vote of confidence. Um, I just want to know who you think will be next in the Premier League sack race. And another Sunderland-related story that I picked up on last night, and that's Dwight York saying he would love to be considered as Sunderland's next manager. 
but he felt it was a bit of a slap in the face that he didn't get the job uh, when Tony Mowbray was given it. I'd uh, like to be Prime Minister, but you know, you've got to do certain things before you get those well, positions. This is, right? it. this is it, this is it. Uh, and let's I'll not forget for as well, let's not forget as well, oh, uh, mind the gap, mind the gap, but mind the that gap. That is banned, that is banned this morning. Bullhats do take on who tonight <laughs> to try and pull themselves back into contention for the playoffs. Can Borough do it tonight? I'm sure we don't have Rai, but we do have Radio Dad who will be able to give us a, a, a comprehensive answer to that question. Yeah, and we do have a Rai with us, actually, because Rai in Plymouth has been quick off the block on the old WhatsApp, 0330-043-2002. That's 0330-043-2002. Rai, good friends to this... Uh, I've got to be careful, haven't I, when I keep saying Rai here? Rai, Rai, Rai. Um, because Rai's a good friend of the show. He's based in Plymouth. He's, uh, he describes himself as a 51-49% Plymouth Stroke Borough fan. Um, and he said, good morning, everyone. We don't need the hype. Uh, we don't need to hype up the Mackhams. Uh, beating that small team from West Yorkshire. Good point, mate. I think we'll start there. Wow. So we're going to talk about the small club from North Yorkshire instead, are we? <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's hear your Morning, wax. Right. <laughs> let's hear your wax wriggle about that, Ted. Because I, 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 I did watch the game last night, I've got to be honest, and I will I will say, um, first of all, that I predicted a Sunderland win, um, which I was you right did. about. Um, secondly, um, I was impressed with the way Sunderland played last night. It was a tactical game. Um, Dodds was on his knees in that first six or seven minutes looking from pitch level. I, I was I was watching him with, with interest. Certainly, uh, certainly looks every part of the manager. Uh, the players were certainly playing for him last night. But I just thought there was there was you know there was a, a, a there was a method in his madness last night and um, yeah. you know Leeds are no mugs they you know they, they are a good team they are hoping to you know to, to be in and amongst it at the end of the season but um, I think probably the best thing I could say is the Sunderland unsettled Leeds um, they, they, they you know they, they absorbed the pressure and then they they went about their plan and and got the just desserts it was a scruffy goal um, it wasn't a it wasn't a you know a thirty yard uh, a thirty-yard you know, wonder goal. It was bundled over the line, but it was it was a goal nonetheless, and it sent a cold Sunderland crowd home happy with three points in the bag and possibly dreaming of uh, you know better things to come over this festive period because back-to-back wins and uh, you know six points on the board makes a big difference at that level. Oh, absolutely, mate. I mean. Uh, for me, that I, I took more joy out of that game last night than what I did out of beating Southampton five nil, and uh, and I genuinely mean that. And I tell you for why, I saw something different from Sunderland last night. Uh, I've been on the show many many times where I've said, you know, we just don't look like we have a plan B. And last night, uh, Mike Dodds gave what I can only describe as a tactical masterclass. Uh, it was absolutely superb. The game. Uh, you could see a few of the fans on Facebook, you know, kind of a little bit nervous before the game going. Oh, well, obviously, when the team sheet came out straight away, you know, we're playing with three centre backs. Um, and that raised a few eyebrows. Now, for me, that was just sensible because that front four that Leeds have is, is a Premier League class front four. You've got to be on your game. I mean, there's a reason up to last night that only lost three games all season, and that's because they are absolutely deadly up front. When somebody of the quality of Patrick Bamford kind of get on the pitch uh, for a starting position, you know you've got some firepower in the championship. Um, so they lined up completely differently. Um, in terms of dealing with the, the, the defensive side of the game, 
I, I think Leeds had maybe one shot on target in the first half and, and one cleared off the line in the second half. They were what I would call like sort of guilt-edged chances. Uh, were dealt with them so effectively. But the other side of the game that I saw from Sunderland last night was a, a real physical performance. And, 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 you know, got into the faces of Leeds. You know, we all joke about calling them dirty Leeds because they always were a physical side. But Sunderland got stuck in on a level last night. I think special praise has to go to the full-backs who put on, you know, absolutely fantastic performance up and down that line. The tackling, Trey Hume's tackles are just... He reminds me of, like, John Kay, but an ultimate athlete version of him. Um, you know, he, he puts in an absolute tractor-like performance at times. He's just tremendous in the tackle. The fans love that as well. I mean, you talk about sending the, the fans home warm and, and, you know, and happy. We celebrate those tackles as much as we celebrate goals. Uh, and defensively, I thought Jensen sealed coming in for, for, for a start. Only his second start for the club. He didn't look out of place. Uh, he had to be looked after a little bit. Obviously, you know, he's, he's still a little bit rusty when he comes into that. But he, he looked like he belonged in that. Um, 09, apart, apart from his, his daft little yellow card, I thought 09 had an excellent game, um, which, which, you know, I'm quite critical of him. Uh, Patterson, brilliant. Start front and, and Job. Exactly what I said before the, before the game yesterday on yesterday's show. Job gets into positions where he can score goals, and you're right in what you're saying, Steve. It wasn't a classy goal by any means, um, but to be in there and for an 18 year old kid to be you know brave enough to stick his head on that when when the keeper's on rushing. I don't know whether you saw the challenge after he actually got the header in, but the keeper's yeah. wrestled him to the floor in some sort of headlock. You know, to, if he'd missed it, it, would have been a penalty without a doubt, but. Sticks himself on the line there to go and get the goal. Um, but Mike Dodds, just to turn that around, getting back to him, the tactics last night were absolutely spot on. And, and yeah, that, that gives us a lot of hope. And obviously, obviously, as I'll allude to in my headlines later, all the talk is now is let's give him a chance. Mm. I mean, I thought, you know, I thought Unain had a decent game last night. I watched him because obviously I know that you are, you know, critical of him at times. Yeah. I thought he was unlucky with the, with, the, with the yellow card, to be fair. I thought he was, you know, in the championship that we played in a few years back now. Um, you know, that would have just been shrugged off, you know, um, oh, yeah. get on get on with it. But, you know, the referee was, was quick to, you know, was quick to pull the yellow card out, I thought, on that. But, um, yeah, Patterson stood out for me. Um, you know, you know, Newcastle and Sunderland have both had good keepers over the years and he just seems to be another one that they've managed to you know to to to, to get in and, and, and he does a he does a good job he you know he, he was under pressure at times last night but he um you know he's got a he, he handles the ball well he's a good shot stopper and his kicking's good so it's all you need for a for, for a goalkeeper and i, I yeah. you know the, i just think that you know looking at that last night i think i don't think unless they have a major injury crisis that Sunderland have got much to worry about as far as playoffs are concerned it's a case of you know getting through to that playoff semi-final and, and then you know hoping that you get a, a favourable draw and get back to Wembley and do what you want but I, I you know I've said that I at the start of this show in August I said that Sunderland and Middlesbrough would be there or thereabouts in the playoffs again and so far so good you know Sunderland are keeping their side of the deal I think I still think Middlesbrough will be there or thereabouts I, I mean lots of rumours flying around about Carrick uh, on our WhatsApp yeah. group yesterday um, which could of course unsettle Middlesbrough and uh, their players but um, you know they get back to business tonight against Tolham. We'll we'll see whether they can 
pull it back. Um, but yeah, it, all in all, a good game, a decent crowd last night as well. I mean, it wasn't yeah. a very pleasant night on Tyneside or Wearside last night. The weather had uh, come in by six o'clock. It was chucking down most of the day. A uh, bit of a fog on the uh, fog on the weir last night. Another main fog on the time, uh, <laughs> drifting, yeah. drifting across the ground. But um, you know, at this time of year, with people struggling to, to make ends meet, it was it was good to see that the fans got out and supported the club last night as well, Ted. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know what it's like, Stephen. And, and the, the three northeast clubs. I know. I know. I take the mick out of Borough's attendance and all that sort of thing. But they, they are constantly backed by the fans, and to see so many out forty thousand plus on an absolutely dreadful night weather-wise. Uh, and uh, you know, a little special mention as well. Um, a couple of my pals in the uh, in the, on the page that I that I write for on Facebook as well. A couple of my mates took their kids down to go and meet the players as they were going in. I mean, it was absolutely bucketing down, and the players still took that little bit of time to, like, so you know, mingle with the fans before the games and you know, get a few photographs taken, all that sort of thing. And I just think there's a there's a feel good factor starting to return to the club, and that that's what you want to see. You you want to see in those dreadful conditions, fans happy, players sticking together with them, uh, and like you say, on the playoff side of things, mate. If we are there or thereabouts, West Brom are going to be there, Leeds are going to be there, neither of them are going to fancy taking us on now. No, definitely not. Dave, did you manage to catch the game last night or the highlights? Yeah, I caught bits of it. Um, I mean, it was a great win, wasn't it? But the big question that comes out of that win for me, and I said this on Monday when I was with you guys, is what the hell does the club do now? Because not only has, has Dodsey come in and, and, and got them playing, you know, playing well, He's getting results, and not just results. He's getting results against two fancied playoff-placed uh, teams. You know, he's not... Uh, I mean, turning over Leeds is no mean feat. It really isn't. I mean, they were flying, absolutely flying. Uh, and and he's... Yeah, it was only a 1-0 scoreline, but that's all you need. That's all you need yeah. for three points, fellas. That's all you need Suggested to climb the me, table. I'll go through a full to, season of that. Yeah, so would, I, so would I. So I'd, I'd go for a full season with it coming off a dog and going into the goal, even though it would be ruled out. Um, yeah. Um, what do they do? Well, they've, openly, they've openly said that, you know, they're interviewing candidates. They're chosen candidates. But Dodsey's yeah. come in now, two in two, six points out of two games, yep. Yeah, both home games, you can try and take the gloss off as much as you want by saying both at home, whatever. Rainy night, maybe Leeds weren't on their game, etc., etc. Load of crap. He's he's done what's been put in front of him, and he must have a shout. He must have a shout now as a, in a permanent position. Yeah, go he's, on, Ted. What's your thought? Uh, yeah, he's, he's got to be at least for me, and and this was kind of the the overwhelming. Um, Theme, I guess, from the Sunderland fans last night is let's give them until January. Mm. You know, let's let let the club go through this process. If they want to, you, you know, interview for a new head coach, that's that's fair enough. Um, at the very worst, it means we've got Mike Dodds as in an absolute first class first team coach. Um, what did him a massive favour last night was the complete change in tactics. And that's what I was going to. That was the next thing I was going to come on to. You know, never yeah. change a winning team and all that sort of stuff. He did. Yeah, he, he changed the winning team. He he brought Pritchard in, which which I predicted yesterday. He's he's a massive fan of Alex Pritchard, and Pritchard was absolutely fantastic last night. He's such a clever technical player. He's got a deft touch on him. He's got an eye for a pass. I know Clark. He got the uh, the man of the match last night, but Pritchard kind of being too far behind him. Even Daniel Fark went on the pitch to to, to congratulate him. Obviously, he's his old Huddersfield coach. 
Um, so he knows all about them and knows how much he contributed to it. But back to Dodsey, um, yeah, the over, overwhelming theme now is is to give him until January. That way, you know, you can do your due diligence on, on other managers. What it also sort of gives the club a chance to do is not make a knee-jerk appointment. You know, there's, there's a kind of a... A, a gathering momentum that people want to see will still, and I, I, I do believe that would work well for the club. I think he's exactly the kind of guy who would fit in with, with the whole ethos of the club. But if anybody, if any of these coaches that have been interviewed are even two minds about it, well, well, we don't want them because Sunderland is a big job and it, it, it's, it's a challenging job, but it, it could be very, very rewarding for the right manager as well or head coach. So, by leaving Dodsey in charge, I, th- I think he's got the, the respect of the players. He's absolutely got the respect of the fans after the, the last two performances. Like I say, you know, whether you play the same way and kind of eke out the wins, then fair enough. But to change that shape completely and change the whole look of the team, that was an absolute masterclass. Against, by the way, two very good coaches. And he's completely out-tacticked them, if that's a word. It is now. Uh, so, yeah. For me, I'm, I'm in agreement with the Sunderland fans. For, for for once, I think we're all pretty much along the same lines of let's give him a shot because he's, he's earning it at this moment in time. One question, though, is there, a, is there a danger, if they don't give him it, is there a danger they could just, you know, do his end in and, and him lose... Uh, he wouldn't lose confidence or self-belief, but he, he could they demotivate him by not giving him a shout? If he, if he does, you know, if he goes into the weekend mm-hmm. and takes another three points... You know, nine out of three games, you know, Sunderland flying again. He's getting his tactics right, and then they turn around and say, thanks very much, you're back down to first-team coach. But the thing is, I mean, he's, he's, he has, to all intents and purposes, been undecided about whether he wants to go for the role full-time or not. Um, and, and, you know, I'm guessing I'm giving away a little bit of my headlines already. He's, he's actually going to talk to his partner today while they're out Christmas shopping about about the job. Um <laughs> Which, which I think is, you know, that, that just tells you like, the, the, the innocence of the guy as well. He's, he's, you know, there's nothing convoluted about him. Um, I, I mentioned this yesterday. Dodsey's employed by the club as a first-team coach. He's not, he's not the pick of the, the head coach or the manager. He's not like sort of part of a backroom staff that comes in and will be gone with the next manager. It doesn't work like that with Sunderland. He is in place, the same as what Proctor is, the the, the same as uh, Baggarini, the the goalkeeping coach. They are employed by the club themselves as standalone Sunderland AFC coaches, and his job is is secure as far as that concerned. So, in a way. It's a massive risk to take that step up to the head coach position, which, you know, as we know, you could be out after three months if, yeah. if, if it goes all horribly wrong. Yeah. And then where is he? You know, he can't step back into being a first-team coach at Sunderland then. So, in in his way... But there is ambition, isn't there? For, Every human being uh, on this planet has some form of ambition. There well, has been cases in clubs in the northeast where people have done that. I mean, I'm trying to think back in time, in my in my supporting time in Newcastle, but I think Colin Suggett is probably one that stands out. I think he went caretaker twice at Newcastle and didn't do well on either occasion, but they still kept him on, Ted. Yeah, I uh, true. And Kevin Ball, I guess you know, he, yeah, he went back to being academy coach um, after after taking temporary charge, but. But, you know, the, the likes of Borley's a different beast, though, isn't it? Because, you, you know, Frawley wasn't born Club in legend. the area. You, you cut Borley in half and he bleeds red and white. Absolutely, 100%. We've got Woodgate uh, of Borough no, as well, right. weren't we? We, we fired yeah. Woodgate as, 
as manager, and but then he, he then he came then he came well then he came back, didn't he? He's with uh, he's he's now basically the number two with Michael Carrick. Yeah. So yeah. so there are these there are these instances where similar things have happened. Mm. Yeah, 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 it's it it is possible. Um, it's, I guess we'll find out in the next few days. We've got a few days before the Bristol City game. I still probably expect Dodsey to be in charge for that, uh, and then we'll go from there. The rumour was that um, Kira Louis Dreyfus did interview Will still yesterday, um, and, and to all intents and purposes, it was quite positive talks coming out of one of the, the Belgian newspapers. Um, but it's it's paper talk. I'll, I'll believe it when somebody's holding a scarf up at the uh, at the Academy of Light, I guess. Um, but for now, <laughs> Dodsey's in charge, mate. Dodsey's at the wheel. He's our own Ollie. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's it's a fascinating story. Um, if if he does get it, um, do, do you think it'll come down to finances, Ted? Because obviously, Sunderland's owners run things on a on a tight budget shall we say you know they've had to because they inherited a bit of a mess by all intents and purposes so would it would it appeal to them if if Dodgy is getting results to say well actually you know maybe we don't need to make any rash decisions here um you know from a financial point of view it makes more sense Dodgy's going to be on a on a cheaper wage he's still going to be on his ordinary wage for now um and maybe they say yeah. well look get us to the end of the season see where we're at and we'll talk contracts if if you've got us to where we want to be yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's a cracking point, mate. And, you know, Kira Louis Dreyfus doesn't make a statement about Sunderland DFC without mentioning the word sustainability. Um, mm. the, the Sky commentators last night mentioned that we're a, we're a top six side with a, with a bottom seven wage budget. Uh, and that's, while that's, <laughs> it's, fun, it's a fantastic achievement, uh, I think we have got possibly a little bit more money in the, in the coffers than, than what everyone's suggesting, but to see Dodsey pulling out you know results like that on on a you know with, a, with the same players that Tony Mowbray had at his disposal and and being able to turn the team around and and make tactical changes, yeah, of course, it, not only Dodds's wage but the need lessons to actually go out and buy players as well. Last night proved a point. We didn't play with a striker last night. We beat one of the best sides in the championship. Here's a we question. We don't need then. to go and buy one. We're, I mean, we, we've done this show and, and you know, Rai, myself, Dave, uh, Daz, you know, we're, we're, we're not Sunderland fans. We don't watch Sunderland religiously. You know, we dip in and out. You know, I, I watched the full game last night. Um, but I don't remember having a conversation with you on here about Sunderland being in terrible form about Mugger being a terrible manager so how have we got to this situation really because you know for, for me it, 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 it really had a strange feel around it normally with a manager you know people are shouting for his head people want him out there's a huge you know the, the, the huge overwhelming support of you know the, the fans saying you've got to make a change you've got to make a change we didn't really have that around Mugger you know I just find it a little bit strange how we've got to this scenario why, why, do, why do you think that is was it was it simply those results over the last two to three weeks where people were scratching their heads saying oh, we'll better get rid of him before you know before it does Turned to a horrendous season. It's it's just got a really strange feel about it. This, uh, I, I agree uh, to a certain extent, maybe, and I, and I think you're right. I think the the recent sort of uh, the dip in form towards the the end of of Mogger's tenure was was definitely a contributing factor. It's got to be. Um, you know, I think I think it was two wins in the last nine of his games. Um, some sort of and some of the performances were just a bit flat. It was like we'd almost run out of ideas a little bit. So the form, yes, absolutely. But I think the big thing was that that Mowbray kind of 
he opened up on the fact that he wanted more experience in the team. Yes, it's it's great that we have young lads on the pitch and, and, and it's fantastic some of the football that they play at times. Um, but he felt we needed more experience in there to, to be able to sort of win on a consistent basis, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. And the ownership kind of, you know, I guess I'm paraphrasing, I don't know the, the full ins and outs of it, but I'm guessing that the conversation has gone or something along the lines of, well, well, that's what you signed up for, Tony. You knew what the deal was. You knew, you know, it was, it's a young team. You know that we're going to recruit players for next to nothing. We're going to improve them and we're going to sell them on as a profit. That's the model of the club. And, and you know, it has to be because we couldn't run it the way the club's been running the last sort of 10 to 15 years because we wouldn't have a club anymore. Um, so I think there's a little bit of the, the, not a change of heart from Mogga, but just kind of a little bit of frustration for him that, um, that, that, that he wasn't going to be backed in terms of bringing experience in to help him out. Now, what, what Dodsey went and proved last night is that you, you don't necessarily always need experience. You need a coach who can who can really gel with the players and, and speak to the players on a level where they understand their roles and they understand that those roles will change as well. It's not all about, you know, walking the ball into the net and playing lovely tick-a-tack of football. Sometimes it's about rolling your sleeves up, getting mucky and putting in a couple of naughty challenges. And, and that's exactly what they did last night. So, you know, Dodsey's almost proved the, the ownership right in their in their decision to let Mowbray go because he's he's got a bunch of young players playing like like men. Mm. Do you ever listen to Dodsey? Yeah, please. Yeah, uh, we got Dodsey after the game. This is what he had to say. <sighs> Same as Saturday, really delighted for everyone, delighted for the players, delighted for the rack room staff. You know, most importantly, delighted for the fans. Um, yeah, I'm really. I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed in terms of the way they've gone about the business, executed the game plan to a T. I just said to, to to the guys in there that, you know, we've played two um, two teams in the playoffs, two really really good teams with Premier League budgets, with you know really really clever tactical coaches, um, and we've conceded you know five five shots on goal in two games. So if you if you said to that that to me. <coughs> Um, a week ago, or to snap your hands off, um, but that just shows the the kind of character the the boys we've got in the dressing room. They've been an absolute pleasure to work with, um, and they're a credit to themselves, and more importantly, they're credit to the football club. You can see him beaming, can't you, while he's talking? Yeah. There, I mean, he's you can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can, yeah, totally, totally, he's and he, he deserves all the, the the credit he gets for it as well. Very quick to pass it on to the players, by the way, but that's that's just great management. He just needs to sit back and watch what Eddie Howe does, really. You just use that as a bit of a benchmark, you know what I mean? As far as interviews are concerned, do not go far wrong with uh, with Sunderland fans. If, it, if was very, it was a very, it was a esque interview, actually. Are you right? <laughs> well, it, it definitely, it definitely was. Uh, just before we go to uh, to, to the sports headlines, um, here's a million dollar question for you. Obviously, looking at the squad that you've got and and looking at the situation you're in with a manager at this moment in time, do, do you really want to go up this year, Ted? Um, it's 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 a tough one, isn't it? Um, of course we do. Of course we want to go up. That that that's that's the whole idea of getting it as as high as we can. If if not now, when you know there's 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 never going to be a good time or a bad time to get promoted. Um, we know the model. We know how the club works. Um, by getting promoted, it means we can keep more of that squad together. Um, because obviously there's there's less of a of a need to sell players. 
Um, plus, obviously, you know, it, it attracts a, a different class of younger player to the club as well. You know, instead of you know, shopping around the likes of Spurs and, and, and teams like that, all of a sudden you're dining at the top table and you maybe attract the, the likes of a, a Manchester City up and come and play or somebody from abroad as well. Um, the way we've played over the last couple of games is bound to turn a couple of players' heads who were looking for moves in January and think, do you know what? Quite fancy being a part of that. Um, so, yes, I, w- I would love to get promoted this season. It's Yes, we'd struggle in the Premier League because everybody does who goes up. Uh, we haven't got the same budgets. So you need to be there. I think you said it yesterday, Steve. You know, that first season, if, if, the, the trick is to get over that. Once you're into a second season, you become that much more difficult to relegate. Mm. OK, how about seven? Time for the sports headlines. Ah, oh, nice, nice. That's it's nice. A good one. Track that. Yeah, it's nice. Never ever. It's another one of them, though. It's never ever intended as a Christmas song. Exactly. Yeah, mm. that's true. Did, did it get a number one? That one. I think, I think it, it did, didn't it? It did. Yeah. I think, I it, think did. it did. Yeah. I think it did. Think it, here we are. You know, we've really done our homework on this show, haven't we? I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just, uh, did it? One of them. It's a good Christmas. It's a good Christmas song, anyway. Uh, Rye's, Rye's been Everton. back on, by the way. Rye, oh, has uh, Plymouth Rye. Rye. We'll have to call Rye him. We'll have to call him Plymouth Rye, won't we? Just to just to differentiate. Uh, he's been back on. He said he's off to uh, QPR later today uh, to go and see the twenty-third worst home record versus the twenty. Third worst away record. Wow, <laughs> Belter, that one is it. Nil, nil written all oh. over it. Um, and also, he, he then chirped in with, uh, "In my opinion, I think Mogga being sacked wasn't the right decision." So, there you go, mate. Thank you for that one. But uh, there's good news. Talking of our Rye, if you're wondering where he is, um, he's currently batting uh, uh, batting down the hatches because another massive storm is sweeping through Australia where he lives. And um, he's telling us he's got sandbags at the door to try and keep water out the house. I mean, that's how bad the flooding's getting in Canberra. Yeah, it looks an absolute disaster area at the moment. But uh, good luck, Rai. Hope everything's okay and uh, you're back with us soon. Fingers Um, crossed. I'll tell you who else has got bad luck, and that's Everton um, at the moment. Because uh, the the story coming out last night from uh, from Goodison was that they are at risk of administration now because buyers, or potential buyers, 777 partners, have been told that there is no chance of their potential takeover being approved soon. Uh, so because of that, they are uh, set to stop funding Everton, uh, which could raise fears of new points deductions for Everton. The news just gets worse and worse mm. for, uh, for 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 that team. Um, and you know they've already they've already pulled off a, a, a remarkable uh, run of form, beating Newcastle, of course, got a win again at, um, at, the, at the weekend, Ted, and and managed to claw themselves now out of the relegation zone, uh, making the ten point deduction look farcical. Um, but from from their point of view, it's it's backs against the wall, us against the us against them kind of mentality, which Sean Dice revels in. Let's face it, he did such a great job at Burnley for years, keeping them, you know, keeping their heads above water, and um, at times, you know, getting them further up the Premier League than anybody could have ever predicted. But he's now got the same kind of mentality at Everton, uh, but it looks as if they, they they could be hit again if um you know if this takeover drags on, and the Premier League 
are very cautious with takeovers, as as Newcastle mm-hmm. fans know. They didn't want Newcastle's takeover going through because of the Saudi connection, the you know, the the, the talk of sports washing, etc. Um seven 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 partners is slightly different, but again, they are meticulous now in their investigations in who is exactly behind their you know, the, the various, you know, takeovers that are potentially going to go through. They're meticulous in it because they don't want a situation to develop where somebody comes in and then it's proved to be something that it wasn't or that there are unscrupulous people involved or that something underhand has gone on. So they they want to dot the I's, cross the T's, not once, not twice, but three times. And this is, you know, this is, you know, this probably is a result, a direct result of Newcastle's takeover because it was such a national news story. Richard Masters must have been sick of being front page rather than back page. And this is the reason that the Premier League are like this. But this is bad news for Everton, who are on a horrendous financial footing. It is. I mean, for once, Everton are just starting to sort themselves out on the pitch. <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's ironic that you know that they couldn't buy a win at one time, and all of a sudden, you know, that they're starting to put these performances together. Then take ten then points off of them, and they're flying. Well, that's that's it's it. It's like you know the story about the, the kid putting his finger in the dam, and all of a sudden, there's like sort of there's a, there's a leak spring yeah. somewhere else, and that's literally what Everton look like at this moment in time. They, they just. They're just springing problems left, right, and centre. It's the thing with the ownership. Yeah, of course, of course, everything has to be ratified carefully these days. But I mean, that that horse bolted a long time ago. To be honest, I think they again the, the the FA and the Premier League are just kind of um, trying to save face a little bit with it now. What I can't believe is is how fiercely Everton seem to be hunted down in this. I'm sure they're not the only team that's that's you know either flouted these not not flouted the rules but you know ran a little bit close to the bone in terms of how the how the financials are dealt with. They can't be the only one, but they just seem to be hell bent on making an example out of Everton. And, and yeah, to all intents and purposes, the the, the club could go down. Uh, not just in terms of uh, in a division if there is another points deduction in place, but. The, this is the sort of thing that can take a club under, and I'm sorry. I I know I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Everton. I think that fans sometimes uh, uh, you know got delusions of grandeur and all that, but they are a pretty big side. Let's let's be honest. Um, and you know, football needs old clubs like that. So whatever happens, I mean, I, I I do hope that it is resolved without the need of actually you know sending this good, good club under that's that's you know brought plenty of enjoyment of the Premier League over the years and, and first division before that. The thing is now, I guess if they do get relegated and there is another points deduction, what you are going to find is any of these potential takeovers are not going to happen while they're in the Premier League because why would you? Why would you pay Premier League money for a club? They're going to wait till they get relegated to division and then obviously buy cheap and hopefully take them back up. It's interesting because I thought that's what would have happened with Newcastle's takeover when um, you know PIF came in and Amanda Stavely uh, and everyone else. I, I I felt they would wait because obviously it would be cheaper to buy. But you know then there's that 
problem in the championship that you can't be guaranteed that you're going to be able to get out and and then suddenly no. you buy something which you know is isn't a shrewd investment because it's the it's the gap i guess in in tv money obviously it's 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 shorter now you know that there is the you know there's still investment you know you can still if you're at the right end of the table in the championship you can still make decent money off of of sky and other tv networks but but ultimately that there is a big gap in finance and i think that's why you don't see many teams being bought over i mean sunderland are ripe for a takeover I've said it before on here. You know that there's yeah. there's a there's a there's a forty thousand plus stadium there, which mm. which nine times out of ten is full. And you know you you, you ultimately have you know a, a club which, if anybody had any ambition and vision, could could I'm sure turn that round. You know why why couldn't they? Um, mismanagement in the past is 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 the reason that Sunderland haven't gone on to do well. Um, and and it's the same kind of poison Chalice Newcastle had for years. Mismanagement. You know people looking after themselves rather than looking after, you know. The, the club itself um you know for years we talked about the family silver and people you know people who ran the club you know put just reluctant to put their own money in um and then any money that the fans put in that you know just seemed to disappear into the ethos but you know ashley was ashley was a different kettle of fish altogether ashley was you know somebody who came in and told us what his plan was he came in to, you know to promote his sports brand globally and that's what he did never came in and said he was going to get Newcastle here there and everywhere um but from from our perspective you know we're, we're in a different we're in a different bubble now um I've got yeah, to make an I, admission I, on that by the way guys I've got to make one. an admission it has been 3 days since no um uh, I was at I was at home uh yesterday doing some work sitting in the lounge I thought I'll put the TV on and I'm flicking through the channels and uh, seeing what was on and I came across We Are Newcastle. So I've done two episodes of We Are Newcastle now and uh, talking about ownership and, and, and changes and, and things that are going on. It is an interesting watch, although I do, I do have to cringe at uh, some of the things I'm seeing on there, you know, with Amanda and my dad going into dressing rooms and talking to players and all that sort of stuff. It does. It's just oh. the old traditionalist coming out in me, you know. And, I'm, and, and when the players went across to Saudi... Um, to see the Emir and, and, and I'm thinking oh you know I wonder what's going through the players mind standing there while he's saying you know you're all doing a great job and stuff I, I don't know it's, but it's, it, it, I've got to be honest it is an interesting it is an interesting watch and um, I mean if I put my football business hat on um, and look at it through those eyes it is interesting to see you know the transformation that needs to take place and, and you know it is more it is one of those docos that's more about the takeover and the leadership than action on the pitch. And I know a few it's fans a have complained. Brochure. It is. It's a commercial it, brochure. Of course it is. But it's interesting to, uh, with that hat on, on the commercial side, listen to some of the conversations and comments that are going on. So uh, I'll tell you more after I've done the other two. Yeah, OK. I'll be interesting. I mean, I, for, for I'll me, I'll have a little watch of that, actually, yeah. It is. I mean, it, you know, it, it is worth a watch. I mean, it, some of it, some of these things are cringeworthy, especially when it's your own, when it's your own club. But, but in all intents and purposes, it shows you the ambition. It shows you that there's a plan. It shows you that you know the people do care. Um, I, I get where you're coming from with with regards to you know the likes of Amanda walking into the the, the dressing room, etc. But you know that really is you know that that isn't something that they do time after time. But I guess in in, in another sense, it shows that there's a camaraderie there. There's no distance between the ownership and the manager. Um, you know, and and they're there to support them. So you know, I, I get it, and that, and and that happens. Bef that happens without the TV cameras in there. You know, it's something they've always done. I mean, Amanda is quite prevalent with a women's team, who, by the way, got a wonderful draw um, in the women's FA Cup against Manchester United yesterday. So you know, for for from from her perspective, she just likes to be hands on. And yes, yeah, some of it's PR. 
some of it some of it will be good PR for her but good PR for the football club and I don't think that's a bad thing it shows that there's unity it's better than you know um you know having an owner who literally is sitting in the stands you know once or twice a season and then flying off in his helicopter and not not seeing anything I think you know there's a you know there's a big big difference to our previous owner and what we've got now so yeah it's um things that things are a lot more positive but uh, yeah Everton interesting times mm. uh, we will wait and see what happens there another potential are they too big are they too big to go bust yeah go on no they're not Nobody and is. that's the problem the, 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 I think I I don't think um, I don't think this helped you know with, with some of the directors who had to stay, uh, step down um, you know and, and obviously the one of the greatest directors uh, Bill Kenwright who sadly passed away this year um, I, I don't think this this whole situation at Everton will have helped his health you know in any way shape or form uh, I mean you know his last year he was he was under extreme pressure the fans turned on him um, it must have been horrendous for him because what Bill Kenwright did is put his own money in and he was a fan yeah. and you know he was uh, you know I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Everton football club anyway um, you know, I've always preferred the the red side of the city to the blue, but but you know what, Bill Kenwright was one of football's good guys, and he didn't deserve that end uh, to to his time at uh, at Everton. And I just you know I I, I look at it and think you know th- this is this is a potential you know uh, for 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 this club to go bust, um, and and it could happen. It it really could happen. The problem that we've got is. You know, with this impending takeover, which they're highly reliant on, they've also got a ground that's been built, mm. and you know that's the big problem. That's, that's brought in huge debt. Well, the problem with it, the problem that we've got at the moment is you've got war in Ukraine and you've got the Hamas Palestine situation, and those two issues are driving prices of building materials and stuff through the roof, and driving everything up. The uh, you know, driving every price up in in everything, whether it's food, whether it's gas, whether it's oil, whether it's this, you know, it, it has the economic worldwide effect. It, that's the problem, and 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 that means that shipping, and, and of course we've had Brexit in this country. So you've got steel, you've got um, you know all of those kind of things, which which once upon a time you could say right, well to get this and to get that it's a certain price. Now the market fluctuates, and 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 if you're doing any kind of building project in the UK now, um, you know, wow, you better you better make sure you've got a few extra quid stashed away to to, to complete it because prices just fluctuate and it's so hard to get things signed off so I think that's a huge issue for Everton and I think if, if 777 Tommy. partners pull out we're in a, we're in a mess Hi there Tommy Hello can, can you, you hear me? Dave? We can hear you Dave You're live yeah, Hello Tommy can you. you hear me? It's Dave Dave, Dave. We, we can hear Hello, you Dave Can you hear me? Uh, apologies to the listeners who are now hearing Dave have a private conversation but just thankful Dave's, that it's not Dave's a situation Dave's got an imaginary friend called Tommy Oh I forgot about it. Ah, <laughs> got to press that button. It's okay when you listen back to that, you'll hear how professional me and Ted were. They are brilliant. Everyone get the podcast today. Hey, that <laughs> would be it. I can guarantee it. It was, it was, oh, it was a Christmas. Really? It was a Christmas version of Ground Control to Major Tom, I think. Well, we're just uh, trying. We're just, we're just trying to get our first guest up in the morning. You might have guessed that, guys. Keep talking. Go on, get on with it. Oh, well, it, it was it like? <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never heard of Tom. Uh, I think it's Tom the Borough fan, isn't it? Who's coming on uh, just after ten, uh, just after ten to eight. But yeah, um, the other the other tier over Manchester United, uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, it turns out that the club that he owned, the French club that he owned, um, did a major transfer deal. 
with a club owned by Russian Railways. Now, they are under yep. strict UK sanctions, Ted, for its role in the Ukraine war. So this doesn't sound good either. This sounds this sounds like the Premier League now have got two takeovers that potentially looking at, which neither one could go through. I mean, you couldn't script this for Manchester United, who, as we've already heard no, in no. the news, dropped out of the Champions League last night, but not only dropped out of the Champions League, missed out on going into the Europa, so they're out of Europe altogether. They picked yep. up two more injuries last night. So, um, uh, you know, the, the much maligned uh, centre-half, um, Maguire, who, you know, most Manchester United fans wouldn't have had anywhere near the first team um, at the start of the season, uh, but who has been, you know, pulling up trees for them in recent weeks. Oh, he's now injured. Man, yeah, uh, yeah he's, 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 now, he's now injured. But they've also, they've also lost Luke Shaw, uh, which means they're going to be without 13 first-team players when they take on Liverpool at the weekend. So an injury, an injury list akin to Newcastle United. But this takeover, if this doesn't go through, the natives and Melly Barnes, who uh, is doing his own show <laughs> these days, will be restless, That's... Ted. I, I, can, I can just feel Melly having an absolute meltdown. Yeah, I was going to say, like meltdown that. is the word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we need to get him on as soon as possible for that one. But yeah. Well, we're talking about. We're actually, I'm having a conversation with Melly about bringing his pod onto the uh, onto the tune. So um, I've just said he's going to have to. Uh, he's going to have to. Put you it know, on, s- the tune. Put it on the borough. <laughs> the cat don't want it. Don't be bringing Manchester United onto this channel. <laughs> I thought I thought that'd be the response. There's nice. only one United, and I'm not having it on here. <laughs> Get in. There you go. Um, so that's the red and whites and the black and whites anyway, standing together. Now you've mentioned them, now you've mentioned <laughs> the borough. That's a perfect segue because uh, I, I inadvertently mentioned uh, I was calling Tommy uh, on the show a little bit earlier, uh, and I'm pleased to say Tommy Walker joins us. He's a big borough fan, massive borough fan abroad. You know we want to we want to track down the northeast football fans uh, who are who are obviously plying their trade and living outside of the UK. Tommy's one of them. He's in Thailand. Tommy Morning. How are Sorry. Good afternoon, mate. How are you? Good afternoon. Yes. Thanks. Uh, yeah, great. Thanks. It's a lot warmer here than what it appears to be like back on back in Teesside, I can tell you. It was typically typically tropical this morning. It was six degrees and raining when I jumped in the car. <laughs> ah, shorts and shorts and uh, flip flops and beer garden weather by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. We've got so just let you know. Rye's not with us this morning. But we've got Rye from Australia. He's getting battered by a, a hurricane or something at the moment. Um, so he's fighting the flood water. Uh, we've got Ted who's in Cyprus and poor me and Steve are in the northeast, freezing to death. Morning, so, Tommy. Yeah, morning, mate. So give us the backstory then. How does a mad borough fan uh, end up living in Thailand? Well, my story is, uh, you know, it's a bit worldwide. I mean, I left Teesside about uh, about 11, 12 years ago. I've actually lived in Australia, lived in Melbourne for a few years and Hong Kong. Uh, Thailand's now uh, where I live. Um, basically, I left a few years ago to go traveling and then I became a travel writer. And then now I'm, I work in the media um, and I do uh, geopolitics and, and, and news correspondency for a couple of broadcasters. Uh, covering Asia, and I've also covered um, issues in, U- in the war in Ukraine. So it's uh, it's been a bit of a journey. Uh, Thailand's where I'm at right now. Uh, I've been here for about three years, um, but that doesn't mean I'll be here forever. Let's see what happens. So where are you? Just a bit. <laughs> are you Bangkok based or outside of the city? Bangkok. Yeah, I mean, obviously, most people think of Thailand as the, you know the islands and things like that, but. Honestly, I've tried to live on some of the islands and how amazing they are. I just don't get no work done. So I have to live in the city just to keep focused, to be honest. But um, Bangkok Sound, I mean, it's uh, got everything you want for a city. Weather's still amazing up here. And um, yeah, it's a great place to live. 
Go on, what have you got at the moment, temperature-wise? Let's see if it can challenge Ted in Cyprus. <laughs> oh, it will do. We're cold now. Oh, I don't want to end the call and look, look on my iPhone. What's the temperature today? Let's have a look. Uh, <laughs> well, you can tell us what it was yesterday. Yeah, no, it's 34 degrees. Right oh, now. It's five no. to three. Oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. thirty-four degrees. What have you got, it's, Ted? It's a nippy nineteen. It's a nippy nineteen degrees here. It's, uh, yeah, almost almost Baltic by comparison. I'm, I'm very jealous here. So what are you? Tommy, what, uh, yeah, go on, go on. Go on. Yeah, Tommy, uh, Ted, here, man. Obviously, yeah, if, if, as the lads have already alluded to, I'm out in Cyprus. It's being a football right. fan and being a bit of an expat. Um, do you, do you still feel that same sort of a sense of belonging and, and that closest to the club? Because I, I find that's the most difficult thing. With there's nothing beats being at the match. Uh, so you've kind of got to no. find those other ways where you still feel like you, you belong to the club and you feel that closeness. How how do you tackle that? Well, I mean, you know, with the with the rise of social media and the internet now, and like you know, I think that's definitely increased it. I mean, when I first left. You know, especially living in Australia, for example, just the time difference to watch a game, it was just too much. So I kind of, I wouldn't say I lost contact or lost sort of interest, but it was just difficult to keep track of everything. And those that was during like the Karanka years, you know, things like that. But, you know, living in Hong Kong and now Thailand, I mean, the game, if, if, if a game's on at three o'clock in the afternoon, that's like nine or ten o'clock here which is which is fine you know especially on the weekend yeah. you can go out for a few beers and, and watch it and like i said the social media things now we have loads of people have got pages and podcasts and things like that so actually it, it, it's got me even more connected to you know than than in the initial years when i left just because you can follow so much online so and, and also one of the things we've done in thailand i mean you might have spoke to bam bam Bor yeah. in thailand yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so I know, so I know Bam. In in the last couple of years, especially under Carrick, we um, there's a lot of Middlesbrough fans who go to Pattaya, which is a couple of hours down the road from Bangkok, and we've created like an unofficial Middlesbrough Thailand supporters group, and it's just like a Facebook group. There's like 100 people in it, and last year especially, we were just watching the Borough games pretty much every week um, for the last half of the season, and then that was bringing a lot of Borough fans together, um, even people just visiting or expats. So, you know, there's ways that you can meet other Borough fans and stay connected that way. So I think, um, so yeah, that's that's sort of how, how I've kept connected with it. And um, it's funny because I've met fellow colleagues in the, in the media game who, you know, we don't cover sport, we do news and politics, things like that. Um, but people have said, oh, you're Tommy Walker. Now, I know you work, but I've heard you're a mad Borough fan. And they know that just from my tweets on Twitter, you know what I mean? Or x.com or whatever you want to call it nowadays. Just yeah, Twitter. I'm old-fashioned. Twitter, yeah, yeah. So, I'll, you know, I'll share some of my work on Twitter, which you know, and but but a lot of the time I'm commenting on Middlesbrough. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think the internet and media it's just brought it together really, and um, you know, you can keep track of it a lot easier. So okay. Borough take on Hull. Borough yeah. take on Hull tonight, uh, Tommy. Um, obviously, you know Sunderland are, are saying mind the gap at the moment. They had a great win last night. Um, you, you find yourselves three points behind Hull tonight. So it's a, this is a big game. You need to you need to win this to get back in contention. How how do you see this one going? I mean, yeah, we need to win it. I think I think with the injuries we've got at the moment, and I think obviously with January on the corner, I I, I think Borough will have a big push in the new year. I think if we can just get through Christmas. Even if we get a draw or something tonight, if we can just get through the next few weeks where we don't, you know, lose too many games with the injuries we've got and just, just stay in contention, 
I think January will have a big push. We might get a couple more signings in and, and maybe a few more injuries back. But yeah, we should win tonight. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. Um, but we're up, up, up and down at the moment a little bit. So uh, yeah, I'm hoping for a win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. Definitely not a defeat, I don't think. We're seeing a couple of stories linking Michael Carrick um, with you know with a potential departure. I mean, would that be something that would you know would would worry you at, at this time? You know, going into the Christmas period, heavy set of fixtures, uh, and you know, is it unsettling mm. for the dressing room? Do you think? I mean, Carrick's had speculation about this before, right? I mean, he had it last year, and I think he came out and you know rectified you know the speculation. There's always going to be that. I mean, especially when West Ham, the West Ham job comes under threat for David Moyes or even like, I mean, Newcastle. I mean, I don't know if, you know, that's sort of been talked about a little bit, not, not as much as West Ham. But I don't know with Carrick. I think, I mean, look, he'll be there to the end of the year. I think he's vital for what Borough are doing. I think um, the way we play, if Carrick wasn't here and we had another manager, I'm not sure them players would react so well. So I think Carrick's so vital to the, what we're trying to do. It would be a huge, huge blow if he was to leave. But I think I, I don't, I don't see anything in that this Christmas. I think the end of the year, that's when, you know, the speculation might become a little stronger, and we'll have to see then. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. I'll be there tonight, mate. So I'll be thinking about you while I'm freezing my bits off, and you're enjoying, you know, tequila sunrises, lounging around the pool in 34 degrees. Well, at three or two in the morning, three in the morning. I mean, I'll be watching it for sure, but I mean, I don't know if I'll be around the pool at that time. Right, it might be down to 28. It'll be a bit nippy, mate, in the parts. So, uh... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No Thanks, lads. Cheers, Tommy. Cheers, Appreciate Tommy. it, mate. Thanks for coming on, Tommy. Thanks, man. Keep all in touch. Best. All the best now. Cheers. Brilliant stuff. And uh, we'd love to catch catch up with more uh, fans, of course, uh, around the world. So come on, you guys. You know, Sunderland, Newcastle. Get your, get your thinking caps on so you can catch up. Get their backstories. But it is time for the news. Let's do a bit of that across the North East on the Cap, the Red and the Two. It makes you feel full of tinsel and, and, and sparkling lights and Christmas tree-like. I think you need to go it to the doctor's well. day okay, to get full fine, of that stuff. Fine, fine, <laughs> that's fair enough. Doesn't it put you in the Christmas spirit, fellas? the tinsel. It, it does for me. I mean, that's fantastic yeah. brass playing as well. Like, I love that track. You do like a bit of brass, well. don't you, mate? You do like a bit of brass. I do. Well, hey! <laughs> not, not the I Thailand Tommy kind. Tommy does in Thailand. <laughs> oh, dear doctor. Oh, me and Steve share the same lack of class. <laughs> Why in Thailand, Tommy? Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you dragging. Good to see you dragging the tone of this uh, show down to where it's supposed dragging to be, fellas. Like Thailand, yeah. yeah. Down to rise level when he's yeah. not here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it's Time to have some club headlines anyway, Dave. Do you Get think so? On track, lad. Who are we oh, going to start so. with? Who do you fancy? I tell you what, I'll go last, seeing as I've had to scroll. I've got to understand my <laughs> scroll now. Now I've had to write it down. Steve, you're up first, mate. Here we go. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Well, it is here, the uh, final group stage game of the Champions League against AC Milan tonight in uh, 8 o'clock kickoff. Uh, Anthony Gordon and Sean Longstaff were absent from training yesterday, but in slightly more positive news, Dan Byrne is reportedly closing in on a return to action. But options are still limited tonight for Eddie Howe and Newcastle United with Javier Manquillo, Emil Kraft, Matt Ritchie and Mark Gillespie all still omitted, of course, from United's Champions League squad. 
Loris Karius could be in for a shock return between the sticks tonight with news that Martin Dubravka may have picked up an injury. With Gillespie omitted from the squad, it would mean that the two-unit youngster Harris had been on the bench as goalkeeping cover. So where do we stand tonight? Well, the top two teams advance to the Champions League round of 16. The third-place team qualifies for the Europa League knockout round playoff and the fourth-place team, like Manchester United, will be eliminated. And Newcastle United's Premier League visit to Aston Villa on Tuesday, January the 30th will kick off at 8.15. What a stupid kick-off time. Due to live <laughs> coverage by TNT Sports. Enjoy the match tonight and uh, wrap up warm. It's going to be a cold one. Uh, that's your Newcastle United headlines on Wednesday morning. It's also blowing a hoolie, so get set it for is. that. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. <laughs> Smell that. That smells like two victories in a row. Mike Dodds praised his Sunderland players after a revamped starting 11 and system delivered a hugely impressive 1 0 win over Leeds United. Dodds switched to a back three to nullify a dangerous Leeds United attack, bringing Jensen Seals back into the side and also pushing Alex Pritchard up front in a false nine. The visitors may have dominated the ball, but it was the hosts who created the better of the chances, albeit many of those from set pieces. Before Trey cleared one off the line late on, their XG was about 0.4 for a team of their Premier League quality to limit them to that number of chances is remarkable really, explained Mike Dodds. They've got to believe in how we wanted them to set up when we've played against top teams in the league and I'm thinking of Leicester away when we turned it into basically a 1v1 game. That can psychologically be difficult for a player and they've really got to believe in how we set them up. Tonight they really believed in it. We've played two teams in really, really good form both with Premier League budgets and good coaches, and I think we've given five shots on goal. That is how well organised the players have been and how well prepared they were mentally for the game. Meanwhile, Leeds gaffer Daniel Farg primarily commended Sunderland's performance at the Stadium Alive last night, complimenting their defensive work, but did suggest on more than one occasion that Black Cats had parked the bus. Opposite number Dodds laughed at that particular suggestion during his post-match press conference, appeared to disagree with Farg's terminology and description of his side's display. Leeds were nullified in the northeast and created little of value before Joel Pirro's 89th minute was cleared off the line. Dodd's team executed their game plan to a tee and Sunderland fans were delighted to have come away with six points from back-to-back -back home games against West Brom and Fox White. And finally, Mike Dodds is going to talk to his missus today about the job whilst Christmas shopping and a growing number of Sunderland fans are wanting to seem rewarded with an extended run in charge of the team. Last night and this morning, comments on the Sunderland fans and banter page, one of the biggest social media followings for Sunderland fans, appeared to be awash with calls to give Dodds the job. While the temporary gaffer may need to win more than two games to convince all fans of his credentials, he knows the players extremely well and the supporters are quick to point out that he knows the tactics that he needs to play to get wins like he's done in these past two games. The feeling is Mike Dodds should be given to at least until January, giving SAFC owners more time to assess their options. They are your Sunderland headlines this Wednesday morning. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. Well, we don't have the Mad Aussie to do this, so I'm going to have to give it my best shot. Uh, Borough take on... Hang on a second, what's going on here? There you go. Something bizarre is happening in the background. We'll try that one again. Uh, Borough take on Hull at the Riverside tonight. It's a game against another promotion hopeful. And despite the injury crisis, Michael Carrick is boosted by the return 
from suspension of both Anthony Dyke Steele and Izzy Jones. Uh, Defender Matt Clark says he's back on cloud nine, which is great to hear after 14 months on the treatment table. The 27-year-old battled through a long-term back injury and made his first start for the Borough at the weekend uh, since Chris Wilder's last game in charge. And the vultures are circling the riverside, if you believe what's been written in the press. A West Ham board source is said to have made conversation that they've made an approach to Michael Carrick to take over as boss, and Spurs are now reported to be uh, after Hayden Hackney. The message from the Red Radio Station is, Ow! Keep off! Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the birds, the cat and the tan. I loved your headline there, Ted, when you were saying that Dodzy's having a conversation with his wife. I thought that was going to be. I thought that was going to be the headline today. And Mike Dodds talks to his missus. <laughs> Mark, it should have been, that, that should have just been it. That, that <laughs> would have been no, a classic. No context. Just Mike Dodds is talking to his missus. There and you that, go. That, Fantastic. That, that would have been a nice story. <laughs> It would have been a Daz classic, that, wouldn't it? It would be. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If Daz wrote headlines, yeah. If Daz wrote headlines, yeah. Uh, Obviously, what we've got coming up for the rest of the show, uh, we've still got the the headlines, but we're going to have uh, Graham Lee on. Yeah, chatting uh, to him very soon. Yeah. From Mask United as well, because obviously they need our help. Uh, North East football fans are very good at getting together, so um, we will have Graham Lee on. So quickly, just because we're going to be speaking to a manager, let's talk managers. Dean Smith's appearing to have beaten off Mm. competition from Frank Lampard. Uh, and he's expected to be confirmed as Charlotte FC manager in the next few days. Um, I mean, that's a major smack in the chops, Ted, for for Lampard, isn't it? I mean, the man who was Chelsea manager, um, you know, and who, you know, had had done such a great job at Derby County and, you know, was hoping, people were hoping for big things from Frank Lampard, but Dean Smith, who, let's face it, you know, he's he's a he's an established manager, uh, Dean Smith. Uh, but to go in head to head for a, a manager of Charlotte FC and Lampard not to get anywhere near it, is it yeah, I, I just wonder whether I just wonder whether his his time as a manager is, is up. It's I don't know whether being being up, but you look at Dean Smith and and you look at a, a guy who has has worked his way through the football pyramid. You know, um, started with Walsall back in 2011. Um, so I think he had something like six or seven years out of the game after finishing as a player. So he's obviously got his badges. He's taken a job with Walsall, which is low league stuff. Um, had a spell, three-year spell with Brentford. Then moved on to Villa, Norwich, Leicester. So you can see, like, sort of, you know, the, there's a there's a scale of improvement there. Now, with the likes of Lampard and Steven Gerrard gets 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 gigs off the back of his uh, his name as well. Let's be honest, um, they kind of almost expected to walk into top jobs, and what they're finding now is clubs are getting a little bit more wise to that. Uh, you know, it, the days are gone when you know you would appoint a, a big name footballer as your new manager and expecting you know players to want to come and play for your club. Players want to come play for the club now, where a they're going to get paid the most, and 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 b actually play some decent football and and you know be taught something and develop as players. I, th- I think a lot more players are much more uh, centred around that now. So uh, as while I don't think Lampard's career may be done as such, I think he needs to dial it back a bit and maybe start and work under a good manager as a coach, 
and and learn his trade properly. Yes, he's done his badges, but I mean, you know, I've, I've got me 25 metres swimming. It doesn't mean I'm going to be an Olympic swimmer in, in no time at all. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I might have a little qualification, but that's not everything, is it? It's, it's experience. So I think he needs to go and work with a good manager for a couple of years and, and, and ply his trade after that, to be honest, Steve. Uh, and the same with Gerard. Uh, 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 Gerard's proven. We spoke about it off air the other day that he's probably a game away from being sacked, Stevie G, and 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 that's in the Sunday League over in Saudi. Mm. It's it's ridiculous, yeah. really. I mean, Dean Both Smith has been Dean Smith has been confirmed as manager for Charlotte, so yeah. uh, that's 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 one that's done Lucky and dusted. Girl. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. I mean, just uh, just for people sitting at home scratching their heads, going, "Who are Charlotte FC?" I mean, they're playing the they're playing the MLS, mm. um, which you know, it, look, it's an established league. We know that, but um, you know, it's it's. It's not. It's not what Frank Lampard was used to, and for him to miss out on a job like that, um, you know, I just think, especially in the in in the age where America's go, America tend to go for like high profile managers, you know, and, and they like the they like the big names. Mm. I wouldn't have thought Dean Smith was a household name in America. So it, that that if, it, you know, they've gone for the experience of Dean Smith and his CV because his managerial CV is good. Absolutely. Um, as a, as opposed to Frank Lampard, who has a has a pretty tepid. Um, you know, a pretty tepid managerial CV to say the least. But, While uh, we're talking yeah. managers, uh, pleased to say Graham Lee joins us this morning. Manager of Mask United, Graham. Good morning. Um, a, a little bit of a silver lining to the cloud that the club was facing yesterday. Licence came back. You're allowed to start playing football again. What is what is the current situation with uh, with Mask United? Uh, hi, thanks for having us on. Uh, morning, Graham. At the morning, moment, Graham. so yeah, so we got. We got suspended on Friday. Uh, just the club were trying to go into a limited company and change ownerships and the league. Obviously, there's a process to that to be done. But unfortunately, that was probably one of the only ways we were going to be able to move forward as a club. Uh, financially, we had sort of like a plan in place. Without without that plan now, with us getting suspended and the process will probably take eight weeks or so and we would have been suspended for that time. Uh, it wouldn't have been feasible. So, literally, the the club, the funds, what we need to get to the end season, we just nothing was there. Mm. It was obviously we've got creditors to be paid. There's just the running cost of the clubs, wages to be paid, and it, we just got to the point where it just wasn't doable. And so, it's come to the point where we've sort of like give, give ourselves a window to try and raise some money to keep the club going till the end of the season and more uh, and like I said this window of opportunity if we can get it then we can keep going if not then we'll have to resign from the league which is what nobody wants to see and the club could fold I mean it's as serious as that yeah it's, it's like we're trying to get a plan in place like we worst scenario if 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 the club we have to resign from the league it's, it means like if we try and restart the next season the, the, obviously the people behind the scenes are trying the best to get to do it mm. keep us afloat but if if we do have to go sort of like resign from this league we obviously we don't know where if we try and restart the club again we don't know what league that would be it could be four leagues five leagues lower down and and it'll be the plan we're trying to get if it, the worst scenario would be Mask United Limited and they'd, they'd do that limited company from the start of next season but it means God knows what league we'd end up being in and the club had been in and, and where they'd try and start and it's just obviously all the, where the club are at the moment 
they've done fantastic to get there. It's just, like I said, it's uh, we're trying our best to try and keep us afloat because yeah. it's all right, same, we'll restart. But it's easier said than done to say the club can restart because there'll be a lot more things to be done to try and do that. So there's no guarantee in anything. We're just trying to get backup plans and things in place. But yeah, if we have to resign from the league, that means the gates will close immediately. We were we were talking earlier about Everton and the situation they're finding themselves in um, because of the 777 arrangement and what came out yesterday from Merseyside. But, you know, we all, I, I suppose everybody listening to this, you know, being football fans, particularly Borough Sunderland, Newcastle, you know, they know the impact of a football club on the on the local community. But what about a club like Mask United, like the others in there, the, whether it's the, the Northern Prem or the Northern League? I mean, what do those clubs mean to, to their local communities? It's the, the the people of like Masque. The clubs are run by the volunteers. They they they're not getting paid to come and do what they do. They they're doing it for free. And and the majority of these clubs are run by these type of people. And it's it's a proper it's a proper community club. It's it's people's lives. It's, there's there's people there now who are trying to bring the club forward. There's like the groundsman who he was the groundsman. He's now going to go as chairman because he, he's stepped himself forward to try and do it. He's, he's a retired man who's uh, helped help volunteer to cut the grass but in his previous jobs he's ran businesses, he knows what he's doing and he's stepped forward and he's the type of people like who are the heartbeat of these clubs and, and this is why you want these clubs. It's like we've got fans there who've been going since God knows they've played in the 50s for the club and now they're supporting the club and it's it's just it is it's just a part of the community and like masks is masks been part of northeast football history for many years yeah i mean i've been up there many a time uh, watching dunson play and it, i mean it's a great club the the tin shed makes some noise um yeah. it's, it's quite an intimidating ground for uh for, for non-league fans to go to um when, when you you know when, when you're up against the support but it it's a great club um it deserves the support of northeast football fans um and and you know hopefully they'll be able to pull pull themselves together because it would be a tragedy to see you know mask have to start if you had to start again and, and drop down four or five divisions i mean that 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 has made your implications you know and you know financially of course but yeah. um you know i know the community will get behind it and still support the club because the club will still be there but um i, I just don't think people realize what it takes to run a non-league club such such as yours it's it's, it's such a tough tough thing because yeah the, you know the players get it they can can get an earner for, for running around kicking a ball which we'd all love to have done back in the day but it's um it, it's the time and effort that goes into it and you've just mentioned the, the word volunteers um people don't realise that the people that you see wearing the official club you know t-shirt or the yeah. official club jacket those people don't get paid um, you know no. the, the, they don't get paid they are volunteers and they're doing it for the love of the club they're doing it for the love of the game and it, you know if you take this football club away from those people it leaves it, it leaves some of them with absolutely nothing um you know yeah. it, it's a detrimental effect it has on those people so so for me you know 100% got our support we we're going to be giving it a mention on yeah, UFC matters as well oh, and giving it giving it a good shout out on our friday night show because um we want people to get behind it i'm going to give this a share on my social media and hopefully get some support for you as well uh, but Great it's um, it's it's a massive it's a massive club mask and you don't want to see you don't want to see them go out of uh, business you don't want to see them start again so I'm hoping that all of our listeners whether you listen live or you listen on the podcast can, can get behind this campaign and where can people help 
Graham, where can people help? Is, there, is the gone the masculinated uh, all the social media pages now? There's, they've got themselves <coughs> just given a, a GoFund page where the people can donate. Uh, there's again where we talk about volunteers. We've got volunteers. We've got a few couple of grassroots teams going to the borough games tonight with buckets. Mm. So they'll be outside the uh, ground. Uh, just like I said, if any fifty pence pound, if anyone can help, it's all mounts up. If if there's quite a few people do it and. Like you said what you said there, it's it's people's life, lives. It's not like you said they're doing things for to get paid. They're doing things to <clears throat> volunteer to be part of this club, and the club's been part of people's lives. And people just want to keep it continuing. The football side of it for me, like, and the players, we budget wise, we're probably wanted lost in the league, but it's still a it's still a big ask in this like to continue but we're not bothered about uh, what like obviously the wages and things it's about the club moving forward and we want to try and just make sure if we can get to the end of next season this season we know we'll have a plan in place to move the club forward and I was looking I was looking at the just the just giving page um, for the crowdfunding yesterday and, and some of the donations and some of the comments Graham I mean it just does bring home you know what people yeah, feel for the football club it's amazing like you said it's people's lives it's people being going supporting them for all their lives and it's and it's like I said it's for them type of it's for them people their fans and the, the local people who are proud of their club it's for them to continue this and it's a big target on that page I mean 120 grand is needed is that is that needed literally in the next couple of weeks or or, or, or can that be raised over the next couple of months it's it's probably we need to know like as a club it's like we do, it's been like for, for the last six weeks or so it's a, it's been like sort of like in the air with everyone and mm. wages and creditors chasing them it's it's a it's a sum of money where if we can't get to it we can't continue to like keep pushing things back and pushing things back it's mm. not it the league have allowed us back into to play so they've lifted it but with a a close monitoring of where are we in the next two weeks <clears throat> if, and so because not just the implications on like the club but you think about teams who have, we've played this season who have took three points off us there's a couple of teams took six points off us and all of a sudden if we decide in two months time that we can't do it then then points get and it just becomes a big mess for the league so it's it's a frustration. It's frustrating life for everyone. It's hard, but there's there's not just constant us. There's the league, obviously, keeping a close eye and everything. So that's why it needs to be sort of like an impact of can we do it? And yeah. like I said, then it has to be a short window. Less we're going to get chased up by not just the league, but creditors and different people like that. So it's it's just hard. And for my obviously for me football wise, it's. I've got a group of players who are busting the gut to get back on the pitch, but there's also a group of players who live on the wage they get from Mask. There's a lot of young lads, and that's the only money they've got to pay bills. And they're they're asking you each week, "Are we going to get paid?" And if that just continues week to week, month to month, it's difficult for anyone to manage, and it's difficult for any of the players to want to mm. be. Fortunately, they love the club and they love playing for it, but they also have to pay the bills. Well, let's get the message out there, well and truly across northeast football, uh, the north northeast football community. I mean, there must be some uh, some decent businessmen who are, have got football at their heart. Maybe they can step in and help. Uh, the public are doing their bit. We know we've got 
tonight outside the Riverside. There's the uh, the buckets are there, so we're asking Borough fans to dig deep and Hull City fans. Uh, we're travelling up, dig deep, and uh, and see what contributions you can make. We've just got a message coming from Sonners, who lives near Plymouth, uh, who says he follows Mask from afar because he's good friends with Spike. Oh, well. There you go. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the message is out there. So anybody who can, um, can donate online. Mask United socials get on there. You'll find the Just Giving uh, links. Uh, you can make your you can make your contributions there. And, and look, the lads on the Three Legends have all said, uh, Graham, that um, they uh, they're, they're quite happy now to try and sort out with the club coming. We'll do a live Three Legends special from the club. See if we can get some tickets sold. See if we can raise some funds that way. Uh, every little bit helps. I'm ass- I'm assuming yeah, right now. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. That would be. Uh, tell yeah. the lads, yeah, brilliant stuff. Keep in touch. Let us know how it's going. Uh, I'll be in touch with the club and we'll. Yeah, brilliant Good stuff, Graham. Oh, chin up, Graham. Fingers Thank crossed. You. Wish you well. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, man. Graham Lee, the, uh, the the Mask United manager. So, I mean, it just it's it's a reflection, guys, of 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 local non-league football and 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 the struggles that you know clubs can have. Yeah, it's, flip side it, it of football, does. isn't it? As, as mm. Steve mentioned, you know, Masker, a, a big name in non-league football, in, in, in North-East football, certainly. But that club, I mean, I've, I've got a kind of a personal affinity with that club anyway. That that club and its ground is a is a focal point of the community. You know, the, the brass band for, for, for Masker actually rehearse on, on the ground as well. They rehearse in their little band hall. It's, it, it's just so much more than a football club to that town. And you know you can you can hear how downbeat Graham is, and quite rightly so. You know he's he's got to go in in into train a bunch of lads who who are now giving their time freely, and it's it's costing them their livelihoods. You know, mm. um, and it's it's just so important that we look after these clubs. And I've, I've already posted out on on X or, or Twitter, as, as as you prefer to still call it, Dave. Um, <laughs> but we we all need to do our bit to to, to try and save them. And and any club like that because. That's that's the your grassroots. That's where your your traditional northeast football comes from. So it's hugely important we get behind them and do what we can. I've refereed at Mask. You know, when I was when I was climbing through the ranks, I refereed at Mask, and it's I'm a sure great. Hold that against it's you. A, no, they won't. Uh, it was a great little. I think they won actually. Uh, it, I mean, it was a, it's a great little setup. It's it's typical of of what you would find for a local community based non league football club. I mean, you've got some big non leaguers. This isn't a big non-leaguer, but it's big to mask, you know, and and the surrounding yeah. area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wish them well. Okay. If you can help, please do. Go on, go on, Steve. Hop, no, just half past eight. Yeah, uh, time for the sports headlines. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the North I don't say this out of uh, ill feeling at all. Well, yeah, of course I do. I'm so pleased that president's been arrested, fellas. Oh, yes. Shocking, shocking. Um, I want to know, what's, has anybody picked up the guy who kicked him in the head afterwards as well? Yeah, there's been two more arrests, I think. Has there? Uh, oh, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, it, that was absolute cowardice, that. Yeah. It, it was. I mean, thankfully, VAR didn't have anything to do with capturing anybody. Otherwise, we'd be going on for months uh, <laughs> trying to find out what had happened. But it's, it, it's basically done and dusted now I think they've got the right people behind bars and you know uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that was just a disgrace it really was a disgrace yeah 
Anyway, let's lighten the mood somewhat. Um, Champions League's back tonight. Champions League. Could, Champions be, the last, League and could be the last time uh, for a while, or it could be the beginning of a, a new journey. Um, and, Borough, and Borough, of course, closing the gap on Sunderland. And Borough, of course, closing the gap on Sunderland. <laughs> but we have I, we have not <laughs> spoken much about Newcastle yeah. today, so let's start with the Champions League. And obviously, uh, the, you know, the way that the Champions League is done these days is um, it, it, it's not easy because, you know, this is the group of death. That, it was rightly named the group of death. And we know that the top two teams will go through to the uh, the round of 16. And I did mention in my headlines that the third place team qualifies for the Europa League knockout round playoff. The fourth place team, of course, is disqualified. Uh, but going through the UEFA rules and regs, um, which we've got to for this group because it's so tight. If two or more teams are equal on points on completion of the group matches, the following criteria are applied in the order given to determine the rankings. A. Higher number of points obtained in the group matches played among the teams in question. B. Superior goal difference from the group matches played among the teams in question. C. Higher number of goals scored in the group matches played amongst the teams in question. D. If after having applied criteria A to C, teams still have an equal ranking criteria A to C are reapplied exclusively to the matches between the remaining teams to determine their final rankings. If this procedure does not lead to a decision criteria E to K, apply in the order given to the two or more teams still equal. E. Superior goal difference in all group matches. F. Higher number of goals scored in all group matches. G. Higher number of away goals scored in all group matches. H. Higher number of wins in all group matches. I. Higher number of away wins in all group matches. J. Lower disciplinary points total based on yellow and red cards received by players and team officials in all group matches. Red card equals three points. Yellow card equals one point. Expulsion for two yellow cards in one match equals three points. K. Higher club coefficient. That's it. So, um, probably the best thing to do is... Which means when the what? Match, Which means when the what? Match, when the match finishes tonight, just have a look at where Newcastle are on the table. Is probably the best thing to do. Because <laughs> I could not believe it, reading all of that. What on earth? Talk about making something as complicated as possible. It's nearly as complicated as the draw. And we weren't doing the show when the draw was made. But when the draw was made, I just sat... Honestly, we were all cross-eyed, Newcastle fans. Couldn't understand what on earth was going on. What on, what on earth happened with just pulling the balls out of the machine and just sticking them in, and that was it. Job done. But this this is just... This is, Are this you is still going talking beyond, about the draw? <laughs> I am, yeah. This is, oh, this is going beyond... This, this is all going beyond. Uh, this is all going beyond the the levels of stupidity. This, like you know, you, you, whoever's got the most points, that's it. Fair enough. There's a tie. You do it on goals, but going to yellow cards and giving them red cards and giving them points, unbelievable, Jeff. It, it, it really is. Um, team news, though, as we know, uh, Eddie Howe doesn't give much away in his press conferences. <laughs> Hardly uh, anything. Big one, <laughs> the big the, the big news was the goalkeeping situation because Dubravka, um, there are doubts over his fitness. Uh, he didn't do anything to, to dispel that. 
Debravka wasn't training yesterday. Carius was. So it looks as if Loris Carius could be in line for his second Newcastle United appearance following on from the Carabao Cup final in February uh, earlier this year because Mark Gillespie, of course, is ineligible to play in the competition. Um, as for other injury news, well, we do know that Dan Byrne now is on the road to recovery, which is great news. Um, big news for the youngster as well. Potentially, Aidan Harris could be on the bench tonight. Um, he is a reserve custodian. Um, you know, Adam Harrison is in the squad as well tonight, another youngster. Uh, so, uh, big news for the youngsters potentially coming through. Uh, manager, uh, manager, the referee, sorry, tonight is from the Netherlands, as is the VAR official. Uh, McKelly, Danny McKelly, I haven't heard anything about him, no history with him at all. And Rob D. Pernick is the uh, VAR official. Uh, don't forget the food bank. Um, the usual stall and bucket shakers will be on Strawberry Place from 5.30 tonight. And a reminder that the club director, Jamie Rubin, will match all cash donations from tonight's match uh, and uh, donate directly to the food bank. So, interesting that you death. said Eddie gives nothing away. He certainly didn't in his press conference. This is as long a piece we can get from him. Yeah, I think we're <clears throat> very positive going into the game. I think, as you say, it's got... All the hallmarks have been a, a very special night. Um, I think all we can do, quite predictably, is try and win the game uh, and try and give our best performance in that. We'll give everything to try and do that. There you go. That's it. Short and sweet he was in the press conference. <laughs> yep, said very little. Um, it's an 8 o'clock kickoff. It's live on, on TNT Sports. Newcastle currently third in the group of four. And, you know, this... This really is a test of Newcastle's resolve after the last two results. Uh, of course, losing 3-0 at, at, at Everton, uh, then losing 4-1 at Tottenham. Back-to-back uh, -back defeats, seven goals conceded, one scored. But looking at the Champions League game, Newcastle, of course, made their Champions League return in Italy. 0-0 uh, uh, was the scoreline. I have to say that Milan probably deserved to just edge the game, but they couldn't take the chances. Tonight, Milan come with their own set of injuries. Uh, only one, uh, only one centre half available tonight. Uh, we, we are told from the, from the Italian point of view, so they have their own injury wush, uh, worries as well. And Eddie Howe calling for the twelfth man, which of course, um, you know, did did turn up against PSG. The flag display was probably the the best atmosphere so far of this season. And Eddie Howe quite reliant on the fact that you know, you know, the the, the crowd get behind uh, the the lads tonight as they always do, but but louder and prouder than 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 they've done before to try and cheer the lads across the lane but um, I'm not sure how I feel about this tonight because I've made it quite clear that and I know it's to the annoyance of some Newcastle fans that I would much rather dip out of Europe altogether and win the Carabao Cup this year I'd love to see Newcastle win a trophy um, you know we would then qualify for the Champions League and it would take the pressure off the league games for us for the rest of the season take the pressure off everything for the rest of the season because we'd have achieved our goal um, some fans don't want to do that this is what we work for this is why we're there we want to be in the Champions League we want to be you know in European competition that's what it's all about uh, but everyone's got different opinions um, I, I'm you know I, I'm, I'm realistic um, I you know, especially with this injury situation that we've had over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of months, it's uh, it's been horrendous. So, yeah, for me, um, you know, if I separate from separate me hard from my head and, and concentrate on the result, I, I I can't see Newcastle winning tonight. I I still think I think they're mentally drained. Maybe not physically drained, um, but I think they're mentally drained. And I think that, you know. <sighs> 
they need a hell of a connection between the supporters and the, and the team to get a result tonight. So I am going to go uh, for Newcastle to draw tonight. I, I don't think... Which will keep her in Europe, won't it? It'll keep them in Europe, yeah. I think Newcastle are going to end up third. I think I think that I think we'll see PSG beat Dortmund, um, which again would would mean that Newcastle wouldn't progress anyway. I think Mbappe and Cole turn up tonight, um, which will leave them both on ten points. But I think Newcastle will draw with Milan, and I think Newcastle will finish in third and go into the Europa. That's what I think will happen. Ted, I'm along the same lines. I, weirdly, I can I can I can see you winning this. I really can mm. purely for the fact yes we've mentioned it before you know the Tonali derby and all that sort of thing I just mm. feel like the last couple of performances from Newcastle that they haven't been at their their usual best that you know the results speak for themselves on that I just think I may be wrong I just think there was possibly a little bit of holding back maybe um, I, I, I don't think they were sort of flying into the game in, the, in their usual sort of gusto whether they were you know, trying to keep something in reserve for this. When you think about it, this could be the. You know, you don't know when you're going to get back into the Champions League. You're currently seventh in the Premier League, which is well outside the the, the fourth place finish that you'd need. So, it, it's all down to this game to put on a really good show because you literally don't know when when's the next time you're going to play Champions League football. You know, there's there's no guarantees in football. You can ask Everton that they're a fine example. So I think Newcastle will turn in a performance tonight. Um, whether it's enough to obviously stay in the Champions League, maybe not. You would point and say probably not. Um, but the Europa League is is the nasty one and and the one that as a Sunderland fan I'm hoping you do get <laughs> because obviously then it becomes a Thursday night game instead of a Tuesday or Wednesday. And that to turn around in terms of Premier League football and obviously one eye on the FA Cup. The FA Cup almost certainly becomes less important if you reach the Europa League. Um, so that's the one I'm, I'm, I'm you know, going to put my hat on and say that you will get through to that. I think you'll perform well tonight. I think you might have too much for AC Milan, but um, I also think Dortmund are going to do PSG as well. Okay. Mm. Interesting. David? Um... I think there's a weariness um, surrounding Newcastle at the moment. I think because of all the injury, uh, all the injuries that you've suffered recently, the games just keep piling on thick and fast. I, I just detect a weariness, and I think that will have an impact. So, whereas had we gone back three or four weeks ago, uh, I'd have put money on you to beat Milan. I think tiredness might come in. Uh, and it could be a draw so that would automatically mean it's going to be Europa League so Ted gets his wish um, <laughs> that's that's you know that's what I can see but I can see you doing them as well I mean AC Milan are not a great team at the moment uh, in comparison to what they have done previously I mean their performance in Europe this year has been woeful um, so you've got you know you've got it within yourselves to beat them I just think that tiredness is creeping in yeah, it's going to be one of those games as well. It's a bit. This is a bit like going into your final game of the season, where you need to win to stay up. And we've been in that situation before, uh, where you know it's all come to the last game. You know, Jonas Gitteres getting the goal that kept Newcastle in the Premier League. John Carver, manager at the time. So you know that atmosphere is unique um, in any in any football ground, and we're going to have that tonight because the the result in the other game will will be you know echoing around the ground and if 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 
Dortmund take the lead against PSG, then that's going to boost the crowd. The crowd will be the crowd will be up for it anyway, but you will have you know the the roar from from the terraces um, to to say that look, if you get it if, and it's nil nil in Newcastle against Milan, that's going to give you know that's going to give Newcastle a boost. So you know it's going to be one of those nights tonight, and it and it could go wonderfully well or it could go terribly wrong. Um, don't get us wrong. I'm not going to be depressed if I if I come on tomorrow morning and we are you know we are is still in the Champions League. It's you know I'm going to be I am going to be excited like the next man. But you know my favoured cup competition this year would be the Carabao Cup. We've done so well to get the the quarters again. We've got a big opportunity, you know, against Chelsea to get through if we can get our players back, you know, and, and be at full, you know, more or less full strength for that game. We could find ourselves in a two-legged semi-final, potentially the last ever two-legged semi-final in the in the League Cup, and and you know, and, and find a path back to Wembley. So, yeah, it's it, it's all or nothing for Newcastle tonight in the Champions League. But considering this was the group of death, and Newcastle were expected to be the whipping boys, you've just got to say congratulations to Eddie Howe and, and the lads for even getting to this level and getting to this stage of, of the of the group stage within that group. But um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Let's see what happens. Um, um, you know, I think I think we're all pretty much agreed it's going to be a tough a, a tough match, and it really just depends on on which Newcastle turns up. So, the other big game tonight, of course, is down oh even bigger, side. even bigger Champions League, the Championship, man. Come on, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough versus Hull City, not really one against the Mount Warren. It's not one that gets the mouth watering. Um but this is a must win game for Middlesbrough if they're gonna stay in contention. Um not just with uh not just with Sunderland of course, but with, with, with their playoff hopes. And I know it is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, but Sunderland find that uh, Sunderland sell, uh, find themselves in sixth place on thirty-three points, while Borough are six places below them now on twenty-seven. And the the gap, yeah, you might say, mind the gap is now six points. That's uh, you know that's two wins. Borough need to win tonight to to get that back to three and to get themselves you know well keep themselves in with the runners and riders. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, so. You know injuries, though we've heard Rye talk about it, Dave, on this show over the last few weeks. Um, just as much as I have about injuries with Newcastle, of course. Uh, any 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 bright signs on the injury list horizon no. for Middlesbrough? No, I mean the the bright the bright sign came at the weekend when um, Dale Fry came back into the side, so that's one back. Um, the only we we're talking with Graham Lee about silver linings, weren't we? Because they're able to mask United are able to play at the weekend. The only silver lining for the Borough going into this game tonight is uh, the two return, two players returning from suspension. Uh, so Izzy Jones is back, Anthony Dykesteel, the fullback, is back. Um, so that's just a, a couple of options it gives Michael Carrick. But you know you could see the impact that the injuries particularly uh, made against Borough at the weekend. Uh, in the Ipswich performance, we just weren't there. You know, Ipswich were a decent side; they weren't a great side. Um, and I would have fancied Borough on with with a, you know, without the injury crisis, I certainly would have fancied them to do Ipswich at the weekend. Uh, but they just weren't there. I think you know, as I was saying to you about, you know, this tiredness that seems to uh, envelop the Newcastle United playing staff at the moment. It's there for the Borough. But this make no mistake about it. This is this is a massively crucial game tonight. Uh, it's it's no surprise to anybody because I've been saying this for weeks uh, on this program and on Legends and uh, and everything else we do. This is Borough's biggest test. It's not Christmas and New Year. 
it's we're right in the thick of what is a defining moment for Borough's season because of who we're playing. You know, we played Leicester, we played Leeds, we've played Ipswich. There's the top three. You know, we played Preston, promotion candidates. We played Sunderland not too far back. I've got to bring that in just to give a bit more of a silver lining to it. But you know, West Bromer on our, West Bromer up very shortly. Uh, and this is Hull City, two other teams that are around Borough challenging for the playoffs. So this is the defining moment. And this game, if we were to lose this game tonight, you know, it just gives more impetus to Hull City. There's another one who are battling effectively for two spots in the playoffs. Uh, a bit more of a lift over the Borough. So, um, yeah, crucial. Good to see two more back from uh, suspension. I think Izzy Jones was miss missed massively at the weekend against Ipswich. Borough had crossing chances or chances to run into the box from a wide position. They didn't do it. They went back to midfield. Um, that's what he gives us. So, uh, yeah. Can you have a game that you can't afford to lose? I think it's tonight. Could you? I mean, I'm looking at that as well, Dave. You, you could actually not lose tonight. You could draw the game and end up in the bottom half of the table. At that stage, do you think the do you think the fans could get a little bit tetchy and start and turn? No, I don't think the fans will turn. Um, I think you'll you'll, enough of them? you'll hear you'll ooh, you'll hear <laughs> you'll hear grumblings from them absolutely because they're not yeah. happy um, at the way things are going with the performance. You know, there were a few few of the old boo boys out against Ipswich at half time. They were not pleased with that, um, but I just think from a psychological perspective. Uh, I think when you are bottom half of the table, uh, yeah, they could still be just six points away from the playoffs, but you've got a massive injury problem. I think psychologically it just puts a few more barriers in between you and success. Um, so that's why. If we get away with a draw, and like Tommy was saying, the, the Borough fan from Thailand who was on earlier, if Borough can avoid defeat pull something out of the game, limp through to January where the transfer window opens and suddenly we can see some reaction from the club to, to, to breathe new life into a second half of the season push. You know, that to me is... Uh, that to me is... It's not a great position to be in, but it's not a, a, dis it's not a desperate position to be in. Prediction from you then, Dave? I'm going to go for a Borough win tonight. I think we'll do it. I don't think it's going to be uh, brilliant. I think it could be a one nil. But I'm going to go for a Borough win tonight. And, and look, I feared Ipswich uh, at the weekend. And I, I let my heart rule my head. And I stuck with a 1-1. But you know, in my head, I was thinking Ipswich were going to do Borough. And they did. Uh, I'm going to go for a Borough win tonight. And guess who's walked through the door? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Good morning, guys. And uh, make, sure you've got the, uh, make sure you've got the drum roll ready. Because I've got my Christmas joke to finish on. After I've got Ted's, Ted's prediction for the Borough game. We'll be sorted, mate. We'll be sorted. Well Okay. My, my Ted, your it, it was gonna it was gonna come around sooner or later. Um, I guess we we still haven't had a nil-nil draw for Middlesbrough this so far this season. So looking at the, you know the very with the entertainers, I'm telling sides. you, one way or the yeah, other, with the entertainers, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's honestly, it's, your next wish strip should be beige. You're that boring to watch. <laughs> there you go. Um, nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw. Nil-nil draw. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, the, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a one-one. I'm gonna go for a one-one. I think. Um, I think Borough will get a point tonight at, at the very least. No, oh, come um, on, fellas, give us something. 
No, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. And, we, and we're going to be live, yeah. aren't we? We're going to be live from the yeah. Six Medals at six o'clock on the Red. So Matt's Day Live coming again with the fans, mingling with the fans in the boozer beforehand. Uh, just got to give that a plug, fellas. On the Red, Matt's Day Live uh, coming to you live from 6pm. Yeah, I, I'm with Dave on this one. I'm, I'm going for a 1-0. Um, and, and I disagree with our uh, Borough fan who came on earlier. I... I think even if we do have a bit of a slump over the next couple of games, I think even if we do, um, you know, get beat tonight, um, which I hope we don't. I think I think we we will we will turn it round. Um, I just feel the way that this league is, as long as we can remain somewhere roundabout in touch. Yeah, we're going into the bottom half of the table, but we know what this league is like. You know, a couple of wins in January, in February, pick up a couple of signings. Uh, then we can be straight back up again there. So I, I'm not too worried at the moment. I'm I'm optimistic. I think uh, I think Carrick has has got a plan, um, and yet the, you know the injury situation has been has decimated the club w- without a doubt, and has meant to not going to plan B, going to plan D and E and F. Um, but you know I I think there will be signings in January. I think there will be pick up. But even you know between then. I, I, you know, I think I think we can do something, and I think we can certainly get a point, um, three points tonight, uh, if we go out and, and we play at the top of our game. We've got players coming back in. Um, you know, we've got uh, you know players getting a little bit more game time. You know, Fry will be another game. Clark will be another game. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic. I'm going one nil. Yay! Okay, uh, time to finish off. Eight, eight <laughs> time to finish off with our here Christmas we go, joke. Here we go. Our Christmas joke of the day, lads. Here we go. Who hides in the bakery at Christmas? Well, I don't know. Who hides in the bakery of Christmas? Go on. A mince spy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> good one, that. That was a good one. It's just, oh, uh, that's just reminded me. It's um, awful. It's crap, but it's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> just yeah, reminded it's me. Bad, I, it's, it's good. I, I need. I need to phone the dentist. Oh no! Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Starting him now. What have you got on the show? What have you got on the show today, then, Daz? We've got the brilliant uh, stand-up comedian Chris McCausland on the show. Uh, you'll have seen Chris um, on on a number of things. Uh, he's been doing. He's been on the circuit for a long, long time. Brilliant. Uh, but Brilliant. over the last couple of years, yeah, uh, he's he's done live at the Apollo. Uh, have I got news for you? Uh, and just last week, he was on um, Richard Osman's House of Games, and he's blind. Mm. And they they changed the whole format of the game show for him. Brilliant. Uh, so he talks about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he is he is uh, something special in the comedy world, and uh, he joins us this morning uh, at about nine thirty. Cool. Brilliant, that. We're done, fellas. Fingers crossed again for Rye. We hope that the sandbags are holding out. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed, he joins us tomorrow on the show. Yeah, good luck, Rye. See you tomorrow, guys. Have a good one. Do. See you, lads. See you, boys.